Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. We got a lot to talk about today. Obviously, Arkansas about to head down to Arlington to take on the Texas A&M Aggies. We're going to talk to Jeff Tarpley at Gigum 247 give us a little bit of insight on the Aggies. And Curtis Wilkerson is also going to join us to talk a little bit about Arkansas. All that and more on today's episode of Hogsports Live. And before we get started, I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. Be sure to follow the page if you haven't done so already. Be one of 90,000 Razorback fans to do so. Also, throw us a like on the video. Also available on YouTube. Throw us a thumbs up on YouTube. Interact with the video. Uh, share the content if you think somebody else might like it. But be sure to subscribe and hit the notifications bell on YouTube so you're alerted anytime we upload new videos. Also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. Hog Sports is just $1 right now for your first month at HAWGsports.com. If you haven't thrown us a five-star review, please do so. But I want to thank everybody for making Hog Sports Live, Arkansas's highest-rated podcast. Here's my favorite latest review. Trey Biddy has a face for radio and a voice for print. But if you can get over that, he is the best, and I mean the best, college football media member of all time. He gets the Arkansas fan base, he does his homework, and he never cheats us. I'm always excited for the podcast to come out each week. Kind of a backhanded compliment there, Taste the Rainbow. Thanks, I guess. <laughs> anyway, I appreciate the uh, five-star review there. Face for radio. Ouch. All right, Arkansas, Texas A&M, 6 o'clock, September 24th, 2022. Arkansas is number 10. Texas A&M is 23 in the AP poll. Uh, This is a series that goes back to 1903. Arkansas and Texas A&M played for 65 consecutive years up until after the 1992 season. Arkansas has a 42-33-3 record against Texas A&M, although that's changed the last um, several years since Texas A&M and Arkansas renewed the Southwest rivalry. Back in 2009, Texas A&M has a uh, 9-4 edge over Arkansas in the series since it was renewed. Five of those games that Texas A&M won were decided by a touchdown or less. 
three of those decided in overtime. All Texas A&M wins. So a lot of close games, even though Arkansas had that nine-game stretch where they lost. Arkansas won 20-10 to 10 last year. K.J. Jefferson was banged up in that game. Malik Hornsby played uh, pretty much a quarter of football in the second half and, uh, and helped Arkansas preserve the win. So it's an interesting matchup. Is it, all, it always is. I want to get to the schedule information real quick because – for some reason, they announced the football schedule <laughs> in the middle. Like, I don't know why they did it this way, but I guess it was like on a Tuesday they announced the football schedule. So, uh, Arkansas plays Western Carolina uh, in Little Rock on September 2nd. This is 2023 again. I'm not going to go through the whole schedule. You can look up the schedule if you want to. What I'm going to say, though, is the first three games are in Arkansas, Little Rock, Fayetteville, Fayetteville. And then the next four games are SEC games. Not a single one of those games is in the state of Arkansas. And part of that is due to playing Texas A&M in Arlington and Arkansas is the home team that year. LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama. It's a tough opening stretch of SEC games all away from Arkansas. During this stretch, there's also a bye week. But from September 23rd to November 4th, there is one game in the state of Arkansas. That's seven-week period, one game in the state of Arkansas. Now, I'm not saying this is, like, bad for the the team and stuff. People are like, buck up. You know, they're going to have to play a tough schedule. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about for the fans. You going to buy season tickets? I mean, think about this. September to no, September 23rd through November 4th, Arkansas plays Mississippi State in Fayetteville. One game. It's bad for recruiting. It's bad for the tickets. I, ugh. I mean, you finish it pretty strong with November 11th, 18th, and 25th, Auburn, Florida International, and Missouri – but this is also the year where it's not as sexy a home schedule. You know, so that's all I'm going to talk about. I like Josh Pate's comment on it. He wasn't even going to talk about it because college football doesn't know how to release a schedule. Go check out Josh Pate on the late kick. Don't you hate, you know, the, like the worst thing that can happen, it seems like, I know 21st century problems, but like when your internet goes out, you know, and you're like, uh, you're telling your, you know, you're frustrated, everything, because nothing works. When your internet goes out, your computer's not working, your phone, your television, nothing works. You know, your your spouse is like, hey, Trey, what's going on with the internet? And you're just like, you know, you say something you shouldn't have said, and then the next thing you know, you're in a fight. Your kid's coming like, daddy, my internet won't work. My phone's not working. It's the worst thing that can happen. So all of that's happening because why? Because you don't have Ozarks Go. You you got some other internet service. If you had Ozarks Go, you wouldn't be dealing with it. Okay. This is something that I did over a year ago. I just did it on my own. I had been through three different services. All of them had problems. These guys showed up at my house, connected, and I never have thought about them since because it has always worked. I'm never going up and unplugging my router, plugging it back in, trying to figure out what's working. Is it the internet or is the site down or any of that stuff? It's never the internet. If you're curious about Ozarks Go and if it's available in your area, you can go to ozarksgo. Excuse me, ozarksgo.net slash hog, H-A-W-G. Go to ozarksgo.net slash hog, and you can find out if they have coverage available in your area. If you're on desktop, there's a little icon that says, uh, it says check availability. If you're on mobile, there's a little three bar at the top where the drop-down menu comes down, and you can check availability. But think, you know, if you have Ozarks Electric, then it's most likely going to be available. And, And also, if you don't, you know, in some areas. But think north of the tunnel in northwest Arkansas and think eastern Oklahoma also. Again, go to ozarksgo.net slash H-A-W-G, and you can find out more information about them. But we've been looking for 
somebody to partner up with for a long time. And again, you guys know that I, I'm not going to endorse something I don't believe in. And so, uh, I've been with those guys for over a year now. They've been fantastic. And, uh, thought I'd share. So thanks to Ozarks Go for sponsoring this video. All right, where do we want to go now? Take a little bit look at uh, Miami and Texas A&M. Texas A&M improved against Miami 17-9. Now Miami did have success running the ball, 36 carries for 175 yards. That's 4.9 yards a pop. I think Arkansas probably has a better running game than them. The problem with Miami is they couldn't put it in the end zone. They couldn't put it in the end zone. Tyler Van Dyke was 21 of 41 for 217. All I remember seeing at the beginning of this game was this guy's going to the NFL. He's an NFL draft pick at quarterback, and they really limited him. Max Johnson, 10 of 20, 140 yards. Probably could have done better, but there were some other things, I think, that uh, that weren't necessarily up to him. Was sacked three times. Uh, Devon A-Chain, uh, 18 carries for 88 yards. Um, this has not been a prolific Texas A&M offense, and this does not be, need to be the week for Arkansas uh, to make them like realize like hey you know things are things are finally clicking you know uh, it's a good matchup on both sides of the ball with Arkansas's offense versus Texas A&M defense it's a good matchup for the right reasons because Texas A&M has been pretty stout on defense they're only averaging 8.4 points per game given up pretty impressive stuff for A&M's defense and and not a lot of yards either uh, the other matchup and then of course Arkansas is putting up 500 yards of offense you know uh, so that's a good matchup for the right reasons prolific offense against a stout defense the other way around where it's Texas A&M's offense versus Arkansas's defense it's it's a good matchup for the wrong reasons Texas A&M has not been very productive only accounting for 315 yards a game Arkansas gives up 352 passing yards a game alone. Now, tackling for Arkansas has been an issue. A lot of people have pointed to coverage, and coverage has been an issue too. But if I told you that uh, Missouri State had like 54 rushing yards in the game, it's close to that, and Arkansas gave up 200-plus yards in yards after contact, you would be able to deduce pretty quickly that the tackles that were missed were coming in the passing game not against the run game. So that's been a big problem, too. It hasn't just been poor coverage. It's been also poor tackling. So that's got to improve in this one. They've spent a lot of time working on that this week. We'll see how it works out. But this does not need to be the breakout game for Texas A&M's offense. Danny West has some great stories on recruiting battles. Always enjoy his stories. You should go check that out. But, you know, if you look at this game on paper, when it's just recruiting classes, Texas A&M's five-year average is seventh. Arkansas's five-year average is 30th. You know, just on paper, this should be a Texas A&M game. However, Arkansas's transfer class ranking was 10th last year, and we know there's a major impact. Texas A&M relying on a lot of young players from the number one recruiting class in the country last year and also, you know, past years. They were eighth in 2021. There's a lot of guys that are contributing from that class too. Uh, but uh, they did not bring in a lot of transfers. In fact, only two transfers. But I would encourage all of you, you need a VIP subscription to read Danny West content, mostly uh, mostly recruiting angled stuff, stuff you can't find other places, a lot of well-thought-out uh, stuff. But he breaks down, you know, the rosters, how they've recruited and all that thing, all that stuff too. 90, 90, 90 of Texas A&M's players come from the state of Texas, as you might expect. All right, we're going to hop over to Curtis Wilkerson. Curtis has been taking a long look at the Texas A&M offense. Give us a little bit of insight, and we'll get to Jeff Charpley here in a little bit after this from Gigum 247. 
For those of you who don't follow Curtis, you can do so at Kurt Wilkerson underscore. He has been with Hog Sports for a good hey, couple Trey. years now. How are you doing, Curtis? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm uh, looking forward to my trip to Arlington, of course, and uh, taking in this game. It's a it's a big one. It's the first time that Arkansas uh, is going to be on the road technically this season, even though they're the home team and it's a split crowd. I always thought that was a good way to kind of ease into a road uh, schedule by playing a split crowd game. But uh, first time they're taking the show away from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and just want to get your impressions, your your thoughts on this game, just kind of outright. How do you how do you think this game matches up? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I really agree with what you were saying earlier. You know, like you don't you don't want this to be the game where Texas A&M figures things out offensively. Uh, obviously, they've been struggling there. I do think they they have the right guy at quarterback right now. Um, and it seems like they're, you know, getting healthy or at least getting guys back. Obviously, a, a couple five-star receivers, freshmen who were suspended. Uh, looks like they're on their way back. They got their center back last week who was coming back from mm. mono, and I think he played every offensive snap. That's actually pretty yeah. impressive. Bryce you'd Foster. Imagine he'll be, mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd imagine he'll be, uh, you know, probably a, a little bit more in shape and, and up to the task. So, you know, they're getting some guys back. You talked about the talent. They've got a couple guys, you know, playmakers at the skill positions. You talk about A-Chain, uh, Anaya Smith. Uh, those are a couple guys that scare you if, if you're the Arkansas defense because they can get out in space and make guys miss. And, and we talked about Arkansas uh, and some of their tackling woes. So, you know, I think when they're at their best, they're they're kind of swarming to the football and, and gang tackling guys. It's going to be important in this one. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I do like Arkansas here. I, I think they're obviously better at quarterback. Um, I could see the Razorbacks kind of taking the Appalachian State method of uh, you know, just kind of controlling the game on the ground behind Rocket Sanders and, and KJ uh, and just really grinding this thing out. And mm-hmm. if they can continue to get pressure uh, on the quarterback, which they've proven to be really good at, and, and Amon's had some struggles blocking up front, uh, that will bode well. And, and then obviously, you know, limiting some of those big plays in the passing game and, and tackling, I think Arkansas will be in a pretty good spot. Curtis Wilkerson joining us again at Kurt Wilkerson underscore on Twitter. Curtis, when you look at this offensive line for Texas A&M, uh, it's a big group, but the, it'll be the biggest offensive line that Arkansas will have faced. I think uh, 6'5", 324 pounds average uh, per man. Um, they've got some big dudes. Uh, Arkansas's defensive line has kind of been a strength of this team, though. I mean, we were talking, you know, defensive ends could be a strength, but the middles played pretty well, too. What are you, what are your thoughts on on the matchup between the A and M offensive line and Arkansas's D line? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I and think we'll throw we'll throw Drew Sanders into that too because obviously he's he plays a big role there too. Yeah, yeah, you have to throw Drew Sanders in there for sure. Yeah, it, it, interestingly enough, I don't know that I would have uh, probably taken Arkansas to have the advantage here coming into the season. Obviously, the the questions that we had about the defensive line was you know just replacing. A lot of guys there, but you know, Arkansas had guys step up. You talk about Zach Williams and Shad Stewart, uh, who have been great. Isaiah Nichols obviously has to be thrown into that mix, and the transfers have been really impressive. I mean, Landon Jackson, Jordan Dominic, especially, he's been yeah. incredible and really playing limited snaps. I'll be interested to see if his role kind of increases moving forward with what he's been able to do. Uh, Terry Hampton in the middle, I think, has done a, a really nice job of replacing some of that void. Uh, of John Ridgeway, you know, just kind of commanding some double teams, and that frees up some things for the linebackers. And and obviously, Drew Sanders has been so impressive. He's just a freak. I, I just can't remember a lot of guys like Drew Sanders that Arkansas has had on the, you know, with what they can do with him defensively. And you look on the other side, and, and you're right, Texas A&M is huge, massive mm-hmm. up front, uh, very talented, but they are young and they have had some struggles. Uh, but I look at the guards 
and they've looked a little bit vulnerable to me. Obviously, they were without their center for a couple games. I think it, you know, it really helps them to to get Foster back there. We'll see what he looks like in his second week back. But uh, they struggled in pass protection. Uh, you know, up until that Miami game last week, they really weren't getting a whole lot done on the ground either. So um, I think this is a good matchup for the Razorbacks. And, uh, you know, like I said, if they can continue to get pressure on the quarterback, that does a lot for them. And, you know, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to do that. So if they continue to trend the right direction, it should be all right. So, you know, looking at this, at the situation at quarterback, Curtis, you've got um, – and by the way, I just want to say this first. I think that they should also think about restructuring some things because you make a good point about Dominic. Dominic not having – it's 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 just interesting that Dom, – so Dominic hasn't started and he's, what, second in the SEC in sacks. And Drew Sanders is an inside linebacker who occasionally lines up on the line in scrimmage and occasionally, you know, uh, rushes the quarterback. But And he's number one in sacks. So it's like two guys that aren't always put in position to be sacking the quarterback because they're either not on the field or they're playing, you know, inside linebacker or leading the SEC in sacks. I just think that's pretty impressive. But they do need to think about some things, uh, shaking some stuff up, getting Jordan Dominic in the starting lineup, um, you know, probably with Zach Williams also. I think they need to – and 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 I would I would at this point, I think they should probably work Eric Gregory inside full time uh, at defensive tackle. Just the way things have have kind of played out with this group. Uh, I want to take you to um, you touched on Max Johnson a little bit. Great name, Max Johnson, <laughs> two twenty five uh, of uh, uh, three seventy three, um, which is sixty percent for two thousand eight hundred fifteen yards, twenty seven touchdowns, and six interceptions with. Texas, excuse me, with LSU last season, uh, six of six of a, as a starter. And also, we didn't see him when they played Arkansas. Nussmeyer, uh, they started the freshman against Arkansas instead of Max Johnson. So, we didn't see him really. I think he may have thrown three passes or something. But uh, we didn't really see him in the Arkansas game. Curtis, me personally, I look at this and think, okay, Haynes King might be a better matchup uh, for them against Arkansas just because of his mobility. And it's not that Max Johnson is a bad athlete. He's just probably the least athletic of any of the quarterbacks Arkansas has faced. And that could be trouble for him the way Arkansas is getting after the quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. That's a good point. You know, coming into the year, I was I was a little worried about Haynes King and his ability to run and escape pressure. And you're right. You know, Sam Pittman mentioned that with Max Johnson. He's probably – uh, a little more fleet of foot than he gets credit for, but that, that doesn't make him a burner by any means. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. You look at those numbers and he kind of strikes you as a game manager, which is which is probably what Texas A&M needs. Uh, but he does have some big play potential with that arm. If, if you look back to last year at LSU, and obviously it's a different situation with, uh, you know, the weapons that he has at, at A&M and, and their scheme and things like that. But, uh, you know, he accounted for 16 completions that went for more than 40 yards last season. That was second in the SEC. So, uh, you know, for an Arkansas secondary that's had some struggles in coverage, uh, and this guy that, you know, he can heave it, he can sling it a little bit now, so they're going to have to be aware of that. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see how he looks in his second start. Obviously, if you look at the statistics alone from that Miami game, you're thinking, well, I mean, did they really get that much better there? Mm. Uh, and, and maybe not by the numbers, but I, I just thought they looked a little bit more efficient and a better flow. It seemed like he had a better command of the offense. So, uh, yeah, you know, King, the, the guy that's the dual threat that usually gives Arkansas problems, but I, I think Johnson's probably their best bet uh, for what they're looking for right now to kind of get that offense going a little bit. And you touched on a little bit Nia Smith and uh, Devon A. Chain. Uh, you talked about Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall, the two five-star freshman wide receivers that um, uh, should be ready to go this week. 
So they they've got some weapons, although some of them are improving. It feels like it's you know A Chain and Smith have been kind of the guys in the passing game and the and the rushing game with uh, you know trying to get some more freshmen some action. But I'm curious your thoughts on the secondary. What would you do, Curtis? Because there needs to be some shake up with with some players. They're getting Miles Slusher back. Um, we don't know on Ladarius Bishop, but what would you do, particularly at safety? I think cornerback is probably fairly well set, but what would you do in the secondary to adjust things? Yeah, well, man. If I if I had a great answer for that, maybe they'd be paying me the big That's bucks. Right. But it, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I, I'm really anxious to see what they do there. You know, obviously, uh, I, I feel like you're in a tough situation right now with Simeon Blair. I mean, he's a he's a team captain. Uh, you know, he's a leader out there defensively. But uh, you know, he he struggled last week, and and so you know, you kind of have to look at what you're going to do there. Uh, you know, Jaden Johnson was a guy that struggled back there at nickel. I, I would imagine that there's going to be some change there. I, I think it does start with Slusher. You know, he's probably one of your best options. Uh, and where you put him? I mean, he's so experienced there at safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he's your starting nickel coming into the year. Uh, maybe you do slide him back to safety. And, and do you put Brainy at nickel? He's experienced there. Maybe that's a better suited position for him. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know. It, it, it's going to be fascinating to see. You, you think about some other names there. Kari Johnson, a guy who played uh, a lot of snaps in this game against Missouri State. Do you find a more expanded role or, or a better place to put him? Uh, but, you know, guys are just going have to have to play better and, and step up. And I know Arkansas is really looking to figure out who their best five or, or six, I guess, depending on your look, uh, that they can have back there. And, and we'll see. And, you know, Malik Chavis is another guy you have to consider. Uh, do they really like him there at corner over Hudson Clark, or, or are they going to drop him back and, and give him a look at safety? I don't know, man. That, you know, they've, they've got some options. They've got to keep pushing the right buttons and the combinations. kind of reminds me of Eric Musselman and the basketball team early in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see them mixing and matching so much, and, and eventually uh, they tighten that thing up to their top six or seven guys, and, and you know, some combinations work and some don't. So, uh, you know, hopefully the, the Razorbacks figure that out on the gridiron here pretty soon because it is, you know, obviously the most glaring weakness for this team right now. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer. I don't know if they're going to answer their questions this week or make the yeah. make the moves necessary that that I think we're all seeing because uh, I think it's probably going to be a, a one last chance to get things straightened out and we'll see what happens after that. But yeah, there's some concerns back there, and I, I I agree. I don't think necessarily the guys that should be playing are are playing. All, you know, and right. as far as you know, it means a lot that Blair's a captain. And I don't mean to come down on Blair. It doesn't mean I'm out on him. It just means I have some questions now. But I can remember uh, Jermichael Winston was a captain for Arkansas on the defensive line and ended up um, losing out on that job and you know played as a backup, but he was a captain that year. So it can happen, but. We'll see what Blair does. I think they're probably going to give him another shot back there. But um, so. again, doesn't mean I don't like to call out anybody. Doesn't mean I'm out on Simeon Blair. It just means um, I'm not sold right now. So he's got something to prove. All right, Curtis, you want to catch us up real quick with basketball recruiting? What's going on in, in that sport? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, well, there's always stuff going on with basketball with with Eric Musselman. It's unreal. But, uh, yeah, you know, last weekend they had three unofficial visitors kind of getting a head start on that 2024 class. Uh, Dallas Thomas, a four-star wing out of Little Rock Parkview, uh, made his second visit. Uh, to campus david castillo he's a five-star combo guard he's out of the tulsa area bartlesville oklahoma uh he was back on campus making his second visit Uh, i I thought it was really interesting both of those guys actually visited together for the first time unofficially last year uh for the texas game texas football game and both of those guys seemed they seemed really impressed with the way that the atmosphere carried over even though arkansas is playing fcs opponent i I think that's a testament to the crowd but uh yeah those two guys and then jalen shelley uh, this is a six seven six eight wing out of Frisco, Texas. Interestingly enough, he's the younger brother uh, of Jason Shelley, the Missouri State quarterback. Uh, it's probably a name we're not going to forget anytime soon, but uh, convenient. You know, worked out to get him on an unofficial as well. He picked up a Razorback offer while he was in town. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Arkansas getting out ahead in that twenty twenty four class would be you know quiet this weekend since uh, since the team is on the road, but. I would imagine they're going to have a pretty solid cast of visitors coming for that Alabama weekend, just like football. You know, I think they're kind of saving up to get their big fish in. Uh, you know, Bayfall, Asandi, up a couple really highly regarded six foot ten prospects out of Colorado. Uh, they were supposed to visit last week, and they pushed that back. They're eyeing that Alabama weekend, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, right now, it's sounding promising. Those are two big targets for the upcoming class. All right, Curtis, appreciate you joining us, brother. Always. All right, everybody, that's Kurt Wilkerson again. Follow him at Kurt Wilkerson underscore. Uh, he's been with us for a couple of years now and does just a fantastic job, especially basketball. Basketball recruiting uh, is where Curtis really shines. Curtis also did a recent article. He always does five burning questions and keys to victory. I'm not going to go in depth on those, but I'm just going to go over some of the questions that he asked. Is Arkansas ready to take the show on the road? Obviously, technically not a road game, but still going on the road to play in front of a split crowd. Which running back rules the day? It's a great question, too. Uh, is it Rocket Sanders or Devon A-Chain? I'm pretty sure it's A-Chain. I know it's A-Chain, but I'm not sure if it's Devon or Devon. Devon A-Chain, Devon. Um, I worked so hard to make sure I got the last name right. I kind of skipped on the first name. But uh, which, one, which one of those running backs? A-Chain is a 100-meter, 200, 4-by-100-meter relay All-American. So he's got some blistering speed. If you miss a tackle on this dude, he's going to house it on you. So better get tackling short up. Who wins the battle of weaknesses? Obviously, the, you know, Arkansas's defense, pass defense especially, uh, Texas A&M's offense overall. Will Arkansas clean up the missed tackles? Do the Aggies have answers for K.J. Jefferson? I was talking with some friends about this last night, and um, I was just thinking, like, what if Texas A&M had K.J. Jefferson? I know. Everybody's wanting to spit on the ground if you're an Arkansas fan. But just imagine, like, preparing for a guy like that. You know, I've never really just kind of sat down and really thought about that matchup. You know, Arkansas playing a guy with – you know, a team with K.J. Jefferson at quarterback, the way he's playing right now. I I think I'd feel a lot different about this game. Keys to victory always, turnovers, penalties, special teams. The TPS report, injuries, of course, always play a big role. Arkansas could be getting some guys back. And the red zone. 
that's that's you know we talked about the Miami game. Miami outgained Texas A&M 392 to 264. Had 27 first downs compared to just 16 for the Aggies. Ten more minutes of, of possession time. Uh, so how did the Hurricanes lose? They didn't punch it in the end zone. They didn't score when they got in the red zone. Texas A&M, Texas A&M ranks 15th nationally in red zone defense. So uh, that's a big one. We always kind of do the same keys to victory because turnovers, penalties, special teams, injuries are always key parts of the game. And then, you know, throw in one kind of a, a different one. All right. We're going to go over to Jeff Tarpley now. Jeff Tarpley is the senior writer for Gigum 247, 24-7. I always get frustrated when people say 247 because it's 24-7. But you can follow him at 247-TARP on Twitter. Jeff, how you doing, man? Great, guys. How are you all doing? We're doing fantastic over here. Looking forward to getting over to Arlington. I'm sure you'll be down there. We'll see you again. Um, but wanted to just jump right into this, Jeff, with you. We always do kind of a behind em- enemy lines thing. We're going to kind of stick to that script. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell our listeners and our watchers uh, the latest with Texas A&M injuries and also some suspensions they've had, who's been out and who might be returning for Texas A&M. Well, Jimbo Fisher suspended four players, all freshmen, uh, the day of the Miami game. All four are expected to be back per Fisher at his Monday press conference. There are wideouts, Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall, uh, corners Denver Harrison, Smoke Bowie. Harris was uh, projected to start last weekend, I believe. Stewart was a walk-in starter back during the spring. Both Stewart and Marshall give A&M a different dimension on offense So, uh, in terms of their ability, not just to, let's say, make plays down the field, but also to generate yards after the catch. So they were missed to an extent last Saturday night against Miami, and that kind of held the offense back and, 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 Max, and quarterback Max Johnson back a little bit. Uh, they've had some injuries in the defensive line, McKinley Jackson, played his first game of the season last weekend uh, to Missy Adelaide. The defensive end was injured uh, against Appalachian State. He missed last week. He's expected to be back. They're also expected to get back uh, five-star freshman Walter Nolan, who missed last week. He's a big defensive tackle on the interior, uh, really comes off the ball well. Also, uh, you could see Gabriel Brownlow-Dendy, who is a five-star defensive lineman who was injured in the Under Armour game last January. He missed all of spring ball, uh, basically kind of went through fall camp, but didn't really participate that much. And he's gradually improved his, uh, his injured knee, and he's to the point now where there's a chance, it looks like there is a chance for him to play on Saturday night and get in his first action of the season as well. Jeff Tarpley joining us again. You can follow him at Tarp two, or excuse me, at two four seven Tarp. Uh, Jeff, Max Johnson and Haynes King. That's obviously been an interesting dynamic. I actually think that you know, in a, in some ways, with the way Arkansas has been getting after the quarterback, that Haynes King, you know, might give them more escapability, but he just hadn't been playing well. And obviously they moved to Max Johnson, who, uh, you know, maybe manages the game a little bit better, has some more experience. But I do wonder about, not that he's a bad athlete, but just not the same athlete as Haynes King. How do you see that matchup working out with Max Johnson uh, being in the game against Arkansas's um, pass rush happy defense, I guess you would say? 
Well, he was he he faced pressure for a pro football focus on about half his dropbacks the other night. And Jimbo Fisher noted not just coming off the field with ESPN after the game, uh, but in his post-game press conference as well, somebody asked him about Johnson's performance. And he's always made a point that, hey, look, you've got to play you know, you got to play well around the quarterback too. It's not just about around about the quarterback. And he brought that up in the, in, in the press conference as well after the game that A&M has to protect him better. Uh, King's legs really hadn't translated into much of an advantage when he did take off. He did have a first down run, uh, converted a third down that uh, actually helped A&M score its only offensive touchdown against Appalachian State. But Johnson took off a couple of times against Miami and was effective doing that. I think, the again, the protection thing, A&M's just going to have to protect him. He's a big guy. He can move around some. He's going to take more sacks. For a, from A&M's standpoint, what he's going to have to do, though, is hold the ball and make more plays down the field against what has been a problematic Arkansas pass defense. And so as far as mobility goes, I think it's less about mobility and just the fact that uh, Johnson's just going to have to get the opportunity to make some plays that Haynes King had the chance to make in his first two starts this season, was not able to. Mm. And that's why Max Johnson is now the starter at A&M. What's, what's your thoughts on this offensive line? You mentioned they were, they've were they been pressured a little bit. Obviously, I mean, it's a big group, 6'5", 324 average per man, almost 6'6". All of them are, you know, composite four-star recruits. Bryce Foster came back at center uh, after dealing with Mono last week. So – what what is I, I know they're maybe a little bit younger than you would like, and I think there's 48 combined starts with these guys. Uh, but what is it about this offensive line, and and are they going to be able to protect him and and give him time to throw? Well, this is a group that's big. Uh, Layden Robinson, the right guard, has been dealing with injury issues of its own. He's he's not the he's not a mobile guy to begin with, and and the injuries kind of affected his mobility in terms of playing laterally mirroring people in pass protection they're just going to have to they're going to have to do a better job of that they're going to have to do a better job of communicating uh they're going to have to be more cognizant of what they're facing who's in what gap gaps who has who uh working together on double teams combo blocks that type of thing they showed some things uh running power and counter last week uh they're trying to make a transition to that as opposed to what they were doing last year via more of a, a zone running game under the under old offensive line coach john josh henson they pulled their tie they pulled todd in they'd pull an offensive lineman sometimes they'd pull two offensive linemen but they've got to be able to stay on track when they do pull and the tight end position has been problematic because right is just came back from injury last week and the other tight end who's played a lot donovan green is a true freshman so they're probably not out of the woods yet you would think as they play more together that they're going to get better via their communications via the fact that when they when they move that they're going to move more in unison be in sync more and be able to cut down on releasing people 
um, more so than what they have in the first three games, letting them kind of get a little freer than what they would like. If they can do those things, they'll be a lot better. Mm -hmm. The question is, can they do them Saturday night or will they still be a work in progress? And then they don't, things don't come together until later on in the season. Jeff Tarpley joining us again at 247 Tarp. You can follow him on Twitter. He is the Gigum 24-7 senior writer. Uh, 8.7 points a game, 301.7 yards per game. Those are eye-popping stats uh, produced by the Texas A&M defense. Real quick, what is it about this defense that makes them tick? Are they the kind of group that will come after you? Do they sit back and wait for things to happen? Is it a read and react? What, 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 what is it about this defense that has made them so stingy this year? Well, for one thing, they're big. You're just not going to move them off the football very easily. Uh, and they're big not just in the in the you know in the front four, but they're also big on the back end of the defense. I mean, when you have corners like Brian George and, and Jalen Jones playing, you're you're you're, you're playing two hundred pound plus guys with length. Mm-hmm. Length. Your safeties are are are, are long guys. Uh, you got Nickel Antonio Johnson, who's six two, six three, two hundred pounds, long armed, has great range. So you've got a lot of size, and so they're not – they shouldn't be that easy to displace. Another thing is, is they've really – we talk about reducing condensing fronts depending on you – know, form. excuse me, reducing your formation, condensing your formations on offense. They've kind of done that on defense to, from the standpoint that they're, they're really playing – trying to take away your B-gap to B-gap just inside the tackles – and they're they're trying to take on the offensive lineman head up to protect a linebacking core that doesn't have a lot of depth right now and also is not that big. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. The guys that are playing out there right now aren't any bigger than 230 pounds. They, they don't have anybody like an Aaron Hansford last year at 240, Buddy Johnson the year before who was at 240. So they don't have that you know, guy that you can really fill, fill the a gaps and against an offense or take on blockers necessarily. So they've really worked to protect those guys. And at times what's happened is, is that they've been so cognizant of that. They just let, they let things slip through in the running game and the backers get caught up in the trash a little bit. If, if, if the offense does get some push. And so, uh, that's produced some some issues in, with regard to the run defense. Nonetheless, I think the longest completion allowed all season has been 29 yards, and that was the other night against Miami. They're pretty technically sound. They're experienced on the back end of the defense. They they know route combinations, so they see what's coming. Uh, and and the ability to not allow big plays means that you have to work your way down the field. And we've seen teams do that. They hold the ball for a while and they go on these long drives, but they stall out. They have a couple of penalties and then you wind up kicking field goals. That's what happened to Miami the other night. Mm-hmm. So I think a and is going to try to continue to use that formula, given the fact that more of the, the big front four guys will be back from injury uh they're going to be a little more athletic with those guys especially the guys out of that 2022 recruiting class then hopefully for a at least from a&m standpoint that they're going to get better play up front and maybe cut down on those rushing defense numbers a little bit and continue though to be able to uh keep people out of the end zone make those red zone stops 
and get enough stops for the offense to win the game. All right, Jeff, I want to get you out with this real quick. We're going over a little bit, but uh, just how do you see the game playing out? Do you have a score prediction? I don't really have a score prediction. I, I think, again, this game's just, you know, it's going to be a one-score game. It's going to be too close to call. Uh, it, it just depends on what – can either team do what it does best against the other team? And can either team take advantage of what weaknesses the other team has shown? I think for Arkansas that means – running the ball well, but also being able to run the ball well enough to score in the red zone against a and to continue to generate those types of big plays in the passing game that we've seen. Uh, for A&M, that means that they've got to take advantage of Arkansas's vulnerabilities from a pass defense standpoint. And also, they've got to be able to, to do that to score just enough points and also – be able to continue to stop those big plays themselves, which is what they've been able to do. And if special teams have been pretty good this year, uh, they they you know they've had a turnover, a touchdown, and a block kick so far this season. So if their special teams continue to flip the field and generate those types of plays, then those can be really really important in a one score game. Uh, you know, Max Johnson is going to have to continue to manage the game, but his receivers and Devin A-Chain are going to have to be able to create some big plays. Not a lot of them, but just enough to get A&M over the hump. You know, if they can keep Arkansas under 20, get over 20, that's probably their formula for winning the game. I think it's the exact opposite for Arkansas for them to win the game. All right, Jeff. Well, I really appreciate having you on, and we'll see you on Saturday in Arlington. Thanks, Trey. All right, Jeff Tarpley, everybody. Again, follow him at 247-TARP. Uh, does a great job over there for Gigum247. If there's any Texas A&M fans listening here, then do that. Do you have, like, a, an internet guy that comes over to your house, you're always having problems, and you're like, oh, let me call my internet guy. I know, not to discriminate at all, but I know a lot of old people that, that tell me that kind of stuff. You should not be having an internet guy. You shouldn't, you shouldn't need, like, oh, the internet's out again. Let me call my guy and have him come over and fix it. You shouldn't be dealing with that. You should have somebody come. This is 2022. Somebody come to your house, put a small incision in your yard like they do at Ozarks Go, and then never hear from them again. Never think about them again. I don't want to think about Ozarks Go all the time, what's going on with the Internet and all that stuff, and I don't have to. I've been with these guys for over a year now. I reached out to them recently, talked to them about a little bit of a partnership because this is a product that I believe in, and you can find out if you have Ozarks Go in your area just by going to ozarksgo.net slash hog, H-A-W-G, and you'll see that at the top right corner. It'll say check availability, or if you're on mobile, there's three menu bars. It's a drop down. You can hit check availability. Find out if it's available in your area, usually north of the tunnel in northwest Arkansas and in eastern Oklahoma. So go check them out. They offer 1,000 megabits per second. That's what they call their gigabit service, which is what I use. It's 1,000 up and down, for those of you who know that, and 100, which is – not slow, but it's not as fast, obviously, as the gigabit, but it's still a really quality deal to get 100 up and down uh, on your on your speed there. So everything you use uses Internet. I know it's it's amazing, but everything you use. And the last thing you want to do is think about outages. And, again, I wouldn't be talking about these guys if I didn't believe in them. You can also phone them. I will leave the phone number down in the description on YouTube. Uh, but the best way to get in touch with them and to find out more information is to go to their website, again, at ozarksgo.net slash hog h-a-w-g
For those listening, if you need the phone number, it's 479-684-4900. But your best bet is to go to the website. All right. Great service that I believe in at Ozarks Go. Where to now? Do we want to get some questions? Let's get to a couple of questions here. We're not going to go too much longer. I feel like we've covered this from just about every angle, the history of the thing. I mean, Arkansas fans hate Texas A&M fans, and Texas A&M fans hate Arkansas fans. This is just the way it is. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful relationship that they have with, with, with each other uh, as far as college football game, uh, as far as college football goes. Hate. That's part of, the, that's part of it, right? Uh, Texas A&M fans uh, have a sense of superiority over Arkansas, although Arkansas has beaten them more times than not. Not recently, but overall series they certainly have. Uh, Arkansas fans look at Texas A&M fans as delusional. <laughs> it's a, it's a, and, and think all of their traditions are weird, and they are, but uh, they ca- certainly catch a lot of flack from Arkansas fans. It's a great relationship uh, as far as college football goes. Not a, not a great relationship to have interpersonally with someone, but as far as this goes, it's, uh, it's what's great about college football, isn't it? All right, let's see what we got. Jonathan Mosley says, hey, Trey, do you think our defensive front and linebackers can get after Johnson enough to take A&M out of the game, much like last year? I think that they have a chance to get to him, yeah. Uh, I think they've got a really talented offensive line. I just think they're a lot younger. You know, you look at Arkansas's offensive line, and uh, it's four multi-year starters, guys that have started, uh, you know, they're on their third or fourth year as a starter. And and with Texas A&M, you know, it's more first-year starters, second-year starters, and things like that, you know, some freshmen, sophomores, juniors. So it's a younger offensive line. I think that they should have some success. I don't think that anybody can stop Drew Sanders. I don't know if there's anybody in the country that can stop that guy in college. Drew Sanders is maybe the most talented defensive player I've ever seen at Arkansas. I'm not sure. I I don't know what he's doing past defense, really. He hasn't shown up, I guess, so that's probably a good thing. I'm not sure if the guy has any weaknesses. Tyler Tober says, why do we always get stuck playing Florida in the swamp? They rarely come to Fayetteville. Arkansas has played Florida in the last five meetings. Four of them have been in the swamp. That's fair. Four games in the swamp and one game in Fayetteville. That's ridiculous. And the reasons are 2013 when they changed the schedule when Texas A&M came into the conference, uh, they gave Arkansas Florida. And then during the COVID year, uh, let's ship Arkansas to Florida, not to mention give them Georgia also. But that's why. And then here they come up on the schedule again and it's in Florida. I mean, it's ridiculous. Jonathan Parker says, do you think we should wait until we get the first first down to start the fast tempo? There's been a lot of games where we're three and outs real fast. and I mean, that's just what they do. But if they get that first first down, then they usually go score a touchdown. Jordy Garcia says, Josh Pay's giving the Hogs a lot of love. He has this winning against the Aggies. I saw that. Uh, the Ramen Noodle Express has not been as accurate as it's been in the past, so maybe it's due to hit this week. But they love the over, and they like Arkansas. And I think he said their model has Arkansas uh, favored by two, whereas the line is Texas A&M, I believe, favored by two, two, two and a half, something like that. It's interesting. I read a lot of like previews, like uh, the national media. One guy called says Arkansas wins in an upset. Like Arkansas is tenth and Texas A and M is twenty third. Is that an upset on a neutral site? Brad Crawford, twenty four seven sports, says Arkansas twenty seven twenty. College football news. 
Pete Fuak. Futak. Pete Futak. Has Arkansas 26, A&M 23. Bleacher Report, Kerry Miller. Has Texas A&M 24, Arkansas 20. Sporting News, Nick Musial. Has Arkansas 24, Texas A&M 20. You see a pretty familiar theme. That makes me want to pick outside the 20s because everybody's 20-something. 28-25 says Bill uh, Bill Bender of the Sporting News. This is an article from Giggum 24-7. Bill Connolly from ESPN has 27-23 in favor of Texas A&M with a 58% chance of winning, according to their computer. That's their computer, actually. FanDuel has Texas A&M 24, Arkansas 20. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to pick in the 20s. Fan Nation says 27-20, Texas A&M. Or excuse me, Arkansas, 27-20. CBS Sports, Barrett Salee uh, picks Arkansas plus two and a half. Says that's the pick. So that would, I guess, have Arkansas winning. Dallas Morning News has a lot of people picking. Um, so most of them pick Arkansas to win. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine of them have Arkansas winning, and one, two have Texas A&M winning. No scores listed there. But, man, everybody's 20-something to 20-something. Yeah, I'm definitely not picking in the 20s then. I just know how the universe works. A lot of you feel me on that. Where else are we going here? That guy's still getting at me over the uh, the voice for print and the face for radio. And you, is that is that real? Is that uh, am I not as handsome as I thought I was? Do I not have a leathery voice? Jonathan Parker says, do you think uh, we should wait until the first down to start the fast tempo? I just read that. Josh Pate. Okay, I'm backed up a little bit. Casey French Fulton says, hope we haven't seen much of our playbook yet. Maybe Hornsby. I would love to see a lot of Hornsby this week. I think they need to use him a lot. I mean, I just think, I've said this before, but when you're trying to milk the clock down, using that guy, like the threat of him getting to the edge, I think will unclog the middle and open up so much. Like when you're four-minute offense, you're trying to take the clock down, you don't want to give him the ball back. Most SEC teams are going to be able to stop you if they know you're not going to pass the ball. So I would like to see that. Also, Slusher coming back. I, I, oops, where'd we go? Why did this jump? Also, Slusher coming back. I hope that helps. I agree, Casey. Adrian Jones says is, see, we get a lot of women commenting on Facebook on this show. Uh, I go to my YouTube analytics, and it's like 98% of your, <laughs> your viewers are men. <laughs> so, you know. I guess we're we're very popular with men, but we get a lot of, of women commenting in here. I, I really appreciate that. Adrian Jones is one of them. She says, Coach Pittman going to have Coach Muss and Coach DBH on the sideline again this year. He talked about that last year, but that would be cool to have him again. That would be great. But they both came there last year. He talked about him a little bit on Wednesday, but he'd never say, like, hey, they're coming. Matt Whateley says, secondary is obviously giving up way too many yards. I think you need to have them there just to, to keep, you know, you know, I talk about the universe, how that's important. It's like the same reason that I don't go down to the field the last five minutes of the game against Texas A&M anymore because I can't get how many times me and David Basil standing under the goalpost watching Texas A&M like come back in overtime or win at the end of a game. So I just stopped going down there because I know that feeling. So, yeah, I think maybe the, those coaches need to get to the game. Matt Whateley says, secondary is obviously giving up way too many yards. However, one thing they are doing is getting sacks. They'll figure things out. Yeah, and again, you know, maybe coverage isn't so much the issue as tackling. 200, 200 yak yards given up, yards after contact, but you only got 54 rushing yards. 
What does that tell you? A lot of those missed tackles are on pass plays, screens, short passes. Tyler Tober says, will we see more Johnson Green to Binion this week? I'm concerned with how much we're relying on Rocket. Uh, if Johnson is healthy and ready to go, then I think that he needs to get a good number of carries, like 8 to 10. That's what I would like to see out of him. I think that would be enough relief for, for Rocket Sanders. And still see the other guys. A.J. Green had a really nice play last year against Texas A&M. Texas A&M can't score 21 points on Arkansas. We'll see. It's not like they hadn't been a little porous. I mean, Missouri State scored 27. Brian Malone says, do you think we see more plays for Hornsby? I would like to. I don't know if we will, but I would like to see more plays from Hornsby. Josh Smith says, it's nice to see Razorbacks leading in different categories on offense and defense. Evan Baker says, Trey, glad to see you didn't get bit by the Beyond Meat CEO <laughs> Saturday night. Yeah. Um, allegedly, I guess. But uh, I'm sure they don't condone eating people since the products are made of plants it's, or violence, for that matter, given the uh, the company there. Weird instance there. Weird weird situation, for sure. In Fayetteville, of all places. Somebody sent me that, and, was, and then they were like, Anyway, crazy stuff. Dustin Hoofman says, where did you get where do you give the edge, Texas AM revenge game or Arkansas confidence after winning last year? Um, confidence. Arkansas confidence. And I give the edge, I mean, like when everything well, you, when you come down to it, you start looking at things, okay, how are the special teams and all that stuff. Probably pretty even. They they had a big return last uh, last game also. But for me, or the game before, uh, they had a big return. They lost to App State. But um, to me, I look at the quarterback situation. And, and, you know, it's nothing against Johnson. I think he's probably a better option for them. He's a game manager. Obviously, his father's Brad Johnson, an NFL quarterback, so a lot of knowledge there. But to me, I'm taking K.J. Jefferson easily. And, I was again, I was talking to a buddy of mine, um, Matt, you know who you are. Uh, I was talking to him, and, you know, he was just bringing that up. Like, what if K.J. Jefferson plays for another team? You know, like, and you've got to prepare for him. How do you feel about that? Is a is a quarterback worth, you know, if, if, if in a matchup, if it's, you know, a player's worth one point if he wins the matchup, how much is a quarterback worth? Four, maybe? Maybe more than that. It all comes down to quarterback. And so much of it comes down to your quarterback play. And we talk about – everybody's talking about Texas A&M's antiquated offense. It doesn't work and all this stuff. Go back and look at the numbers. When they had Kellen Mond for three years under Jimbo Fisher, they're like fourth in total offense. And, you know, I think maybe they were right in the middle of the pack one year. But usually it's like fourth in total offense, fourth in scoring. And then he's gone. And last year you had Zach Calzada because Haynes King got hurt. And, you know, this year Haynes King hadn't played well. And you have Max Johnson. Suddenly the offense isn't working. And Jimbo Fisher doesn't know anything anymore. He's a moron. He's old-fashioned. A lot comes down to quarterback. You got a guy who's a returning starter all three of those years, and Kellen Mond, who's a four-year starter. Suddenly the offense works. Interesting how that works. Brian Webb says, ball is beautiful. And, yes, sir, it is. I really appreciate that, Brian. Thanks for getting my confidence back up after the print for the face for print and the face for radio and the voice for print. And hey, I think I just proved him right that I have a voice for print. I couldn't even talk. All right, everybody. We did it, didn't we? I think we primed this thing real well. A lot of people have said to me, like, uh, it's actually pronounced primer. It's not a book. I'm not like, it's it's a primer. Look at the, like, the, the paint. It's the paint that goes on before we put the real paint on, even though we didn't come to paint. But that's what the primer is. It's the layer that goes on first. All right. So next time we see you guys, will be walking around Arlington. 
AT&T Stadium, probably field level or something like that. I don't know if I'll be exiting out the stadium since it's night and I'm not familiar with the area very much, but uh, we'll be doing a walk and talk um, right after the game. So tune in for that. All right, everybody, thanks to Curtis Wilkerson for joining us and, of course, Jeff Tarpley for joining us from uh, Gigum 247 Follow both of those guys on Twitter and read their content as well. All right, everybody, throw us a like and a thumbs up if you haven't done so already and subscribe to Hog Sports, which is just $1 right now for your first month or 30% off, and go check out my friends at ozarksgo.net slash hog, H-A-W-G, and find out if uh, that service is available in your area. And if it is, you need to jump on it. Trey Biddy stamp of approval. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time. 